this week on Invasion of the Podcast. Hail Hydra, or maybe not. Fan films, are they helping the cause? And Paul enthusiastically signs up for Christian Mingle. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're taking over the world one listener at a time. I feel like we're, we've taken over more listeners than Independence Day Resurgence did. Like, like not listeners, but like viewership. Oh. That, movie, that movie didn't do so well. So I feel like we might have a more oh, broader audience. Yeah, than we could yeah. be Independence Day 3, yeah. Invasion of the Podcast. There you go. Like they, they're not waiting, They don't know what's coming. They don't yeah. even know. Uh, so, we just uh, need to book Jeff Goldblum. You know... I would be like if if this is one big long con just to be on set with Jeff Goldblum. Yes, let's make that happen. <laughs> I'd be so happy about that's that. That's our end game. Yeah, that's my my whole end game in life now should just to be Jeff Goldblum. That's my goal. Like Paul, what's your goals in life, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum? Like to meet him? Like maybe you know. Anyway, know. Uh, so yeah, I, I am Paul. Throw me the whip, Stedman, and to my left as always is Joe. Throw me the idol, Peters. Um, I couldn't think of anything regarding fan films, so I wanted to mention the one the movie, Raiders. the Raiders film that I watched uh, that is all about these kids that made a shot-for-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. We'll talk more about that here in a second, uh, but we have some other stuff here before we get to news. Yeah. Um, I am now super jealous of Joe. He's met everybody that's important in my life that I have not met. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who else is important uh, in your true. life. Well, I'm Jeff a, Goldblum. Have you met well, Jeff Goldblum I'm a, That's yeah. my next goal, yeah. so I want you to make a list so I can just go meet all these people. No, so... Um, uh, Wednesday, was it Wednesday last week? No, Friday last week. Um, oh, somebody's getting ready for the 4th of July. Lord. Or there was just a drive-by outside. That's fine. One of the two. No, that's not like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, last Friday at the Akron Civic Theater in Akron, Ohio, uh, we went and saw Weird Al Yankovic. Um, awesome show. I've seen him before at Kane Park and, uh, it was just as good. Um, we actually got the VIP passes, so we got to do a meet and greet. Um, he signed a few things for us. We got a, few, a picture. It was pretty cool. So very nice guy. See, I, and I'm I'm glad that you got to to meet him, and I'm glad uh, your your girlfriend got to meet him. And it was that's. But it sounds like like you're like yeah, it was cool to meet him. Like I would have been like like it. It would be really hard for me not to like fanboy and be like oh my god, it's weird Yankovic. Like like my voice would crack. I'd wet myself. I don't know. Like it would be. Like, the guy is so, like, for someone that makes silly music, and we talked about this a year ago when I went to the show when he was in Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, for someone that makes really silly music, he has shaped a lot of my life and yeah. made it okay, you know, Dare to be Stupid. It's, yeah, well, it's funny, because, like, after the show, she was like, what's your favorite song? And I'm like, Dare to be Sup- Stupid has to be my favorite song. And, I mean, honestly, part of it is because of Transformers. And, <laughs> yes. like, it was funny because, like, you know how between his sets, because he always has to go prepare. Like the, so many costume changes, so many costume changes. But the lights would dim, and then they would put on like they had a big screen behind him, and they would put on different like funny things that he's done or just stuff that involves him. Like you know when he did the uh, the cameo for Thirty Rock, he did the 
the the theme song at one of the yeah. uh, and the at one of the episodes they played that. But um, before they did Dare to Be Stupid, there was a bit at the end of one, and it was uh, it was like a newer Transformers cartoon. Um, but like uh, one of the Transformers was yelling at Rekgar. And they're like, Rekgar, what's wrong with you? Why did you do this? He's like, are you stupid? And he's like, I'm Rekgar. I dare to be stupid. And I was just like, that is cool that they referenced that. And most kids that are watching that nowadays would have no idea what that And I think that was him voicing that, that uh, Transformer, too. They had him voice. I don't think he voiced Rekgar. Uh, well, the, I think in the newer Well, Eric Idle did it in the movie. Yeah. But in the newer one, I don't know if that uh, was I thought him. that was him. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, you're right. Like, it's just a... Uh, that's that's a good song also too like it's like everyone thinks it's like a devo like parody but it's like a devo style parody yeah. so it's like an original song but people don't think it is it's like well he come they come out in like the devo outfit oh yeah i mean yeah. i mean like, like which is funny i think people don't give enough credit for his style parodies as opposed to like his actual yeah. song parodies so. his style parodies like it's it's like the costumes are just funny like because like now he has so many songs yeah that he just flows from one song to another because he only plays like maybe like a minute or two of each song and in between he'll change well yeah because i know like his older stuff they have like the medleys he'll do because i'm sure he's tired of playing all the stuff like do you do like the the unplugged kind of acoustic yeah he like, did um, you, like like a surgeon and he kind did, of like, like a surgeon and 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 kind of, yeah yeah he did that so it's like that's kind of fun that he, he gets to change it up enough but then he did a lot of stuff from his new album mm-hmm. um but yeah it's a good show and i'm just jealous that you got to meet him next time he tours which who knows when that's going to be um it feels like he's almost almost more popular now than he's ever been i think like, so. it feels well yeah because he's getting back around and people are seeing him live again and he, he's it's like he was in that big legal battle with his record label for everything so well that and this was like the first number one album he's ever had like that's like, the debut number one mm-hmm. and that's you know that's crazy to be this far along and to be mainly known as a parody artist uh to finally sell that like that well you know so yeah but yeah next time he comes around I, i'm gonna have to pay the money it, to meet him it's just so amazing to listen to like his songs and like how it sounds like a karaoke song but he legitimately has solid lyrics to yes the metronome and the the song of the person he's parroting and yeah it's like just his like, uh blurred lines one the, with yeah. the word wars word wars is yeah that's so spot on it's ridiculous and, uh-huh. and it actually fits like vocally it's like it's just amazing yeah it's um, just because your brain hears like you know the original song but then like you're listening to the lyrics and you're just like oh my gosh like it's it's crazy. yeah so I, it's um, weird but you got the, it gets weird you're right but you got to meet him and i'm jealous so stan lee weird al yeah soon to be jeff goldblum i'm sure eugene levy you're gonna meet him at some point i'm sure too that's another billy zane you're gonna meet him and i'm gonna be jealous oh billy zane brings my mail yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh well. There you go. So, friend, friend um, Zane. Yeah. So, what did you do this weekend? Um, I didn't. Well, this weekend. Um, er, yeah, I didn't really do anything yesterday. this weekend. I went to uh, walk down Cleveland and escape room experience. Uh, it's on the west side of town. It's a uh, Broadview Road in Cleveland. Um, it looks like trap rooms are becoming a thing now. Like, I mean, it's been they've been popular in like other cities. I didn't really get hip to those. I think I saw an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I think that was the first time. I That's was a like, good one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we went. Uh, it was part of a work function, so I was there with like you know coworkers, whatever. Um, and the one room we went to was called the King Tut Room, and it was like three separate rooms with like challenges. And there's there's one that was like an attempt at an Indiana Jones mirror puzzle, and there's but the, the bulk of it was. Um, a lot of the they were all locks in the doors, and the the locks either had like a number solution or a word solution, uh, for the most part. And I'm not going to give away any of the stuff because if people go check it out. I don't want to give away any of the fun, um, or the or the you know how to get through it. 
Um, I will say that some of the stuff was kind of funny. Like the one of the things, um, and I'll tell Joe about this off air. It's like when we realize, like, oh, that's what you do. You're like, I'm an idiot. Like it was kind of one of those right in front of your face the entire time. Yeah. Um, but was there a lot of overthinking? Some of it, I, I will argue that the last, the last lock to open. I will argue that I don't feel that the clues and the groundwork laid down for it really was really there because I feel like this is supposed to be the last thing to get out. So it feel it feels like it should be a culmination of the experience, not kind of like a like oh if you were paying attention like that kind of that kind of rankled me a little bit. But that's just me. Your mileage may vary, yeah. but it was still a lot of fun. Um, I look forward to trying another one soon. So, um, but yeah, check it out. It's uh, Lockdown Cleveland. Uh, he this the room we were at had a thirty five percent success rate. He said that he's opening up one this summer that's going to have a six percent success rate. So that will be a lot harder, I'm sure. So, and and the and the clues and stuff were very, like, um, they varied. Like when the first room we were in, he's like, "You got to find a journal that has your clues in it." And I looked down, and I saw a satchel just on the ground, and I'm like, "That has to be in there." And I grabbed it, and I opened it, and I was like, "Oh, look, the journal!" Like it, it was very video game logic-y at times, where I'm just like, "That that seems like what you do in a video game," and I was kind of right. right. But it feels like a lot of it felt like early Silent Hill, early Resident Evil, as opposed to modern puzzle games. I don't know how, if that even makes sense, where it's yeah. like, where it's like where you see how, it's like, that makes sense, kind of. That looks crankable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kept making Zelda jokes about how it's like, you know, I bet you if we blow up this wall, we can get out of here right now. Yeah. But yeah, so it was fun. Um, but it, there is a bit of overthinking. There's also like, when you have like 10 people together, like, it's like, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that I don't want to take the lead and be like, we're going to do this. Like, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people just being polite as opposed to like trying to figure it out. And cause there's, they're like, they, they say that the actual way in and out, like the original entrance for fire laws and code, you can leave when you want. So that kind of ruined a little bit of the experience for me, but it makes sense if someone's like, you know, it has it having some kind of attack or a medical issue or whatever, but it's like, we could just leave. Let's feel like you should just be monitored and have there be like an emergency, like code word, like, like yeah. banana, like let me out, banana. Yeah, <laughs> banana. Purple, I'm, purple, purple. Yeah, purple. I'm having a like a, a like a lock like a lock room safe word. An yeah. asthma attack. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to just be like, oh, there's the exit. Like then yeah. I'm just be like, I don't want to play now. Well, because you had to work your way to another door to get out, but not the one. The, the entrance door was always there for you, like the original entrance to the room. Nah. Yeah, like it was three little rooms. So like by the time you start working your way in. You didn't see that door, but you know you could always go back out if you needed to. It was like so that felt that kind of ruined a little bit of it. But I'm supposed to be in a tomb, but there's definitely like light switches and plugs, so that didn't really feel <laughs> like that didn't feel quite right. So it's like you know, kind of kind of take it for what there it weren't is. like scarabs that crawled into your skin like the no. I was yeah, I was waiting for um. Uh, Brendan Fraser show up not not because of the mummy just because I mean have anybody seen him recently I haven't seen him recently no. yeah is he probably he's probably working there Billy Zane told me he's uh he's just taking See, it easy I knew it I knew I knew you knew Billy Zane so <laughs> all right enough about that let's let's get to our news good news everyone good news uh, Apple patents technology to disable iPhone cameras at concerts. Yeah, so that sounds great on the surface. And when I when I sent this story to Joe, I was like, yes, because I am becoming an old person and I'm getting really angry. Because anytime anything happens, all people want to do is take six bajillion photos that are not framed properly and put them on Facebook yeah. or Twitter. 
And the, it's 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 killing me. The last time the well, I went and saw I went to a few concerts since then, but I went and saw Nine Inch Nails a few years ago when they were at the Wolstein Center. Okay. And I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan and like um it was it was it was getting to the point where I was getting angry cuz I was on the floor and I'm watching the show and anytime cuz like Trent Reznor had like an amazing setup. Anytime anything remotely cool happened with lighting or yeah, phones. like like forearms and cell phones and I'm just like when the hell are you ever going to watch this with terrible audio again? Stop recording this. Yeah, that happened to me uh, two summers and, ago watching Tracy Church's live, and that was just it was. Someone actually held up like an actual tablet, and I just wanted to punch it out of their hands. Like, there's got to be some type of etiquette somewhere with this, like you know that you can just be a jerk to these people because like, like whatever happened to like some things with like I understand like we live in a generation of technology where it's just like everybody's got to like take pictures of everything and like post them and share them with everyone but like whatever happened to enjoying a moment like that you, you you're really happy about and just it, the savoring that moment for yourself yeah and that's my like so uh, not to go back to our last week's show um when we when we went to the parade the Cleveland Cavaliers championship parade anytime anybody of, of yeah. importance showed up phone 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 uh-huh. phone it was like just you know, there is way more media coverage here, and way better photographers. Like, just if you want to get a selfie with you and your friends and say, "Hey, we're here," I like I get that. That's fine. Like you're, you're celebrating the day, but not every single moment needs to be because yeah. you know you're what you're doing is you're ruining the time for everybody behind you, and you have to know that. You have to know that. Yeah. And so with this technology, supposedly puts out like some kind of like field or, or like, you know, it's supposed whatever, to infrared. Yeah. That will, um, you know, the phones will recognize it and then they'll lock them out of yeah. the camera mode. So basically what it is, is the infrared will like, like what the, what they'll set up is they'll probably have something set up on the stage so that an infrared pushes out, which the human eye won't really detect it. But when you open your camera and the lens comes on, the lens will pick it up and the, the, the light pattern or the light, the infrared that it picks up will immediately shut the app, the camera app off. So, so what's to stop somebody from like someone making something to get around that? You know, like there's going to be it's, an, ar- could, it's an arms race. You could end. basically jailbreak the app of the camera itself. So okay. basically you're going to see people coming out with like camera apps that can't be infrareded and things like that. So it's going to have to be like a core like. Apple's core camera app um, is going to have to be like implemented through that, but people jail- jailbreak past it, I'm sure. So, well, so it makes it feel like if if um, a concert has this going, and then if someone has their phone up, then if there's security around, it's like, sorry, you know, like these these are the rules. The only thing I could see that it doing is if it does put out like a spectrum that the camera lens is going to pick up and it's going to cause the picture to not come out or the video to not come out. Yeah, like a jammer. Like, like a I, jammer. I'd be yeah. fine with a jammer. So like the lens will take in the light, which the human eye won't really be able to process, but if the lens can actually take that light in, it could affect the actual overall picture. So it'll basically give you a crappy picture or something you won't be able to see. See, I'm I'm fine with that. The only the only downside, to, I, I say only, the big concern about this is that like this is this is supposedly for like live events, but what's saying that governments and police agencies and all this can't use this on a day to day basis to block the ability for people to record in general? Yeah, that's the big fear. So, like, I'm willing to trade. I'm willing not to trade that fear yeah. for going to a concert with a bunch of arms. So my solution is a Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade penitent man blade that goes over top the crowd at random intervals that it goes up to like forearm height with your arm in the air and will just cut your arm off 
Well, that's a little dangerous up. because, like, a lot of times the crowd gets excited and they clap and everybody. Well, they got to You got to throw your rock fist up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, I mean, if your song comes on and you're like "woo," and then you just lose your hand, then you'll. You know what? You'll remember that moment forever. Like, <laughs> everyone, 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 stand still and enjoy this. Yes. Like I just want everybody to be like, okay, guys, this next song coming up, it's a good one. Just, just by your mild applause, I know you'll like it. Like, uh, so um, <laughs> this is something new we're working on in the studio. It's not even flushed out yet. Uh, I'm gonna let me know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the solution is. I mean, I just feel like I, I hope that as the current generation gets older and realizes, like, hey, wait a second, this is kind of like this is kind of rude. But I also feel like that's an ingrained part of like them growing up, so they're not going to ever see it as rude. No, yeah, that's the and thing. Oh, is man. is the stuff, and it's like that with every generation. I mean, we did stuff to the older generation that you know they thought was rude or they thought was crude. It's just going to progress forward, you know. So yeah. it's it's whatever you're 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 raised and brought up with. I yeah, I guess. It's I mean, just, we're 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 going into an age when like adults are are becoming you know we're raised in an era with. They didn't exist in an era without internet. That's so. yeah. Well, that, that's fair too. I just, I, I don't know how people, regardless of of age. I mean, if you're of a like like a responsible, not We're responsible old. adult, but like you know, you get old enough to realize like, how do you not think that that doesn't like bother somebody? You know, like and uh, like, shouldn't you be more? Um, this is me speaking to like old timey values. I, like screw all that. But I'm just saying, like, well, just in terms of like, you're right. There's a certain amount of like, just enjoy the moments in front of you, as opposed to the life that you want to project out on social well, media. Like I said, I think like this generation that that is like the cell phone generation. I think they're they're raised and trained that their the moments need to be shared. Everything needs to be shared. So. For them to do that is normal because they have to share that moment. So it's like it's it's not uncommon for them to like 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 if they were the person in the back watching a band that they liked and people were doing that, they wouldn't think twice about it. They would think, you know, they would just kind of be sad they couldn't get a good picture to <laughs> to share versus yeah. enjoying it and watching it. So Yeah, well it's unfortunate. So I, I, I like the idea. And then also, you know, there's certain um, performers when they perform at smaller venues, there is companies out there now that basically have like these bags with locks on them that are like um, that are either time sensitive or they have a sensor in the club that they say, hey, you're coming to this club. You're going to see Dave Chappelle or whatever. You put your phone in this bag. We'll keep the bags you know, separate or even they let them keep the bag with them. But it's like once it gets past a certain point, it locks. And they can't access it. If they want to access, they have to leave that room and then it one lock and then they can access their phone. So that's been being used. I know, like I said, Chappelle has been doing it a couple of times because he's just getting tired of the constant, you know, recording. And also for a comedian and even a musician, like if you're trying to work out new material and it's not completely formed, do you need it up online all the time? Yeah. You know, so like I went and saw, what was it Metallica last year? And they played one of their songs on their new album that, that, that they're still working on. And there were a lot of people like recording it, and I'm just like, you're not gonna re-listen to this. And like I listen, I, like I didn't record anything, but I was like trying to enjoy the song, and I'm just like, like yeah, like 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 what am like why how, when would I ever replay this and listen to this because the audio quality would be terrible. Yeah, I I don't know. So. Anyway, enough enough. Get off my porch. Um, more that will come. Yeah, later, speaking I'm sure. of speaking of get off my porch. Um, so Captain America who isn't get off my porch old anymore. Uh, that ties into a little bit about what happened. So like about a couple, couple weeks ago, um, uh, Captain America one came out, which was a reboot with uh, Nick Spencer writing Captain America with Steve Rogers. 
where he ended the comic with him saying Hail Hydra, which is a big oh my god, and that caused a lot of problems. Um, God, Nick Spencer got hate mail, death threats, yeah, like everything, like ridiculous overreaction, ridiculous overreaction. I mean, it was a a good reaction in a sense where it was like. That's good writing when you know you can incite that many people, whether it's it's good or bad. Like you've you've struck a nerve. Like yeah. If you can strike a nerve, then you've done your job. I think no matter what, even if it's good or bad. Um, but here, so here's the lowdown. Well, so, he sold a lot of books with that. He sold a lot of books. Yeah. Um, and here's the lowdown with it. So Captain America two came out uh yesterday, I think. Um, no, yeah, yesterday. Uh, and it basically explains the whole background behind the Hail Hydra thing. So the good news is, is, uh, Cap, Cap's not, Cap's not lost forever. I think they'll definitely change it back. Um, but, uh, what ended up happening was, um, so a while back, Captain America and Red Skull threw down. Red Skull had the Cosmic Cube. He's a big fan of the Cosmic Cube, which is the Tesseract from the Marvel MCU. And um, Cap shattered the the cosmic cube into several fragments, so that uh, Red Skull couldn't have it. Um, it's like you can't have it now. No, done, done, yeah, broke. And then uh, <laughs> Shield collected all the fragments, and they took them to their whatever Shield research facility. Um, and then uh, somehow the fragments formed into a four year old girl named Kobik. And I mean, that, that's just what happens. That's just what happens. Well, actually, it is because they found out that because there's other cosmic cubes out there. Okay. So they found out that cosmic cubes eventually become sentient beings, and they retain all their cosmic powers, and they're they're basically supposed to be out in space, not on Earth, chilling out. So Shield was researching it for a while, and um, they brought Doctor Selvig in from uh, Thor, from Thor. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, uh, what's his name? Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, the actor plays him, and but so was he's he, was he naked running around? No, he was in the he's They brought him into the the Marvel comic universe as a as a as a character now as like a reference. So Shield gets him to kind of research the cube and figure out what's going on with it. So like one day, the cube just kind of like you know it, it. She goes into like a stasis where she's floating and they don't know what's going on with her. Well, it turns out that she went back to find Red Skull because Red Skull was like her last quote-unquote owner. So she goes and finds Red Skull. She tells him, she's like, you know, oh, I missed you and, and everybody at S.H.I.E.L.D.'s being mean to me and all this stuff. So Red Skull looks at this opportunity as like, okay, I have a four-year-old girl that's and four-year-olds are very impressionable, so he's going to nurture this thing. He's like, I have my cosmic cue back. I just have to handle it differently. So he starts reading bedtime stories to this thing and everything like that. So this is all happening. And, and then eventually uh, what ends up happening is um, uh, uh, Selvig kind of figures out that, um, that Kobik is doing something with Red Skull somehow. And what, what ends up happening is, is Kobik decides to change his mind and to hide what she's doing with Red Skull. Okay. And and she, and, and as a four year old, she doesn't realize that Red Skull or, or Hydra or anything is bad. This is just how she's raised. Um. So she's like Honey Boo Boo, but with like cosmic powers. Yes. So so <laughs> so Kobik takes Red Skull to Selvig, and Selvig starts like fanboying out because he's meeting Red Skull. And it turns out what uh, Kobik did was she rewrote all of. Uh, Selvig's memories so that he would have been a Hydra follower from like from birth basically okay um, and like Red Skull actually it wasn't it wasn't like a like a trick because like Red Skull at the time 
he had uh, psionic powers that he had gotten from Charles Xavier. I'm not going to get into that. I, I love how, like, when you go to explain like Marvel Marvel comics <laughs> continuity, it just, it becomes it's, like this this tapestry, and there's all these loose threads. It's all over and it's the like, place. I can't tell. I'm like, whole, like, look, the, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into deep detail. If you like, want to oh, dig there into was it, this time where Red Skull was like an assistant manager at IKEA. <laughs> It's just it was a weird it time. It was weird and then like yeah. he managed a, a minor league baseball team for like a year and a half called the Red Skulls. The Red Skulls. Uh, yeah. It was so, it was just a weird he was going through he was just figuring stuff out, you yeah. know, like But so he like he's he's standing there with Selvig and he uses his little psychic powers and he digs into his mind and he realizes that his memories are real. So he realizes that she can do that. So they kind of plot this whole plan out to create this thing called Pleasantville, which was an event that was happening in the Marvel universe where Shield used Kobik to create a super uh, villain prison, which was disguised as a small town in Connecticut. And basically all these supervillains would go there and she would alter them much like she did Selvig where the absorbing man would be like, um, and he didn't look like the absorbing man. He should change the way they looked. He'd be like, you know, a malt shop owner who had the little triangle hat with the pin, uh, with the candy striper shirt. Mm -hmm. And that's what they would do. They would, they would go about their lives and they would just, they would do, you know, the groundskeeper at the local park would be like carnage or something like that, (laughs) you know? And it was just like she, the, the cosmic cube with all its reality warping powers would keep them all in check there. Well, eventually they all rise up with the help of Baron Zemo. And the Avengers get brought in on it and all this stuff And that's happens. where Captain America comes back in. And that's where Captain America comes back in. So Cap comes back in and, um, you know, he's old Cap at the time. So him and Bucky and Falcon <laughs> are are running around in Pleasantville trying to figure everything out. And um, I just, I, I just, heaven forbid, like, I feel bad for the person that, like, is like, you know, I kind of like the show. But they start like I don't know I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, right? and this is probably like people are like oh, why do, why do they read comics? Like this is this is all over the place. And unfortunately, it's comics like, they at least made wrestling sound like it made sense. Yeah. I don't know why. They, anyway, so so Cap, Cap showed up. So there. old Cap showed yeah. up, and then Crossbones runs across uh, Crossbones. Crossbones is like working him. He's just like beating the crap out of him because he's an old man. And then Koba comes and she she saves him because she 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 did like Captain America. Like she met Captain America prior to that. Um, that's how the Avengers found out about it is Maria Hill introduced Kobik to, to Captain America. And um, so she changes him back into young super soldier Steve. But when she changes him back, she makes him Hydra, not because Red Skull wanted her to, but that because that's what she believes is the best thing you can be. Oh, so, okay. long story short, I know that was <laughs> they're probably like, why didn't you just say the cosmic cube changed? Like, why don't you say that Space Girl made him think he was a thing? Yeah, Space Girl. So the cosmic cube and its in its sentience decided to make Captain America a Hydra agent because she believed that that's the best thing you can be as a Hydra follower no. because the Red Skull nurtured her. So okay, so so it's it's in my mind it's possibly undoable, but it was a good plan, and this is something that took place like within a year's real time where Nick Spencer kind of started this whole story. Um, Bendis has done stuff like that before Oh yeah, where he's started new Avengers. And then a year later, secret or secret war or secret invasion happens. And it's like, Oh, that's what was going on in the savage lands. He was, he was setting up the plot. Yeah. For and he said invasion. that like, you know, if like if one book didn't sell very well, he's like, he could just kind of trap door out of that story and be like, well, that never, yeah. that never was going to happen anyway. So, so, and with this, Credit to the writer that this isn't just a issue one twist to sell issues. Like he's kind of laid the groundwork of like, you know, even though what we just explained to you was quite fantastical in the context of Marvel, this has been an ongoing 
thing. So yeah. like when it actually happens, like okay, in that context, it makes sense. So, well, I think I mean I, I definitely think Civil War Two is gonna um, kind of help push that story along with Cap and and maybe change him. I don't know. But Civil so, War II is really good right now. Well, okay. So we know that um, Cap isn't truly a Hydra agent. He just thinks he, he is. He thinks he is. Yeah. Yeah. And he so, has the memories it's, right it, now to yeah, prove and it's, it. It's not so much a brainwash. I mean, like, literally. It's a, it's a rewrite. It's a rewrite. Yeah. yeah. So. He got retconned. Yeah, he did. Happened. Yeah. So. so sorry about that long-winded explanation. I just, of, I just liked how like, every time you're like, well, in order to understand this part, yeah. you have to understand these three other parts. And then this goes back to 1963, whenever there was a Spider-Man. Like, it's, it's like, and I understood exactly what you're saying. I just, man, it would be like someone trying to explain like anime to me or, Poke- Prob- or Pokemans. I'd Pro- be like, I don't know about this. Probably, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, anyway, I, I enjoyed that. So hail Hydra. Um, if that's what I learned about all yeah. this. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's going to do it for news. We, I know we talked a lot about trap rooms and weird Al, and now we're going to get to our, our main point. And now for our feature presentation. And then Spider-Man does this one thing. No, anyways, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so, um, this past weekend I went to go to the Capitol Theater, which I know I mention often because it is a great place to go. And if you live in the Cleveland area, check out your Cleveland cinemas. There's your commercial. Um, they were showing a movie called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Uh, this is a documentary about three guys, uh, Chris Stromopoulos, Strom, I think that's how you say his last name, Eric Zala and Jason Lamb, where these guys all grew up in like the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and they watched Indiana Jones and when that came out in 82, and they, as kids living in Mississippi, decided they're going to do a shot-for-shot remake of this movie as kids. So they're like 11 years old. Uh, one of them, you see the story, like the mom of one of the kids, she works at a local news station, so she has access to those 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 cameras that are decent at the time and the editing equipment. And so she's like, all right, if you guys want to go do this, then do this. It took them seven summers to do this like shot-for-shot remake. And this is at a time that you got to remember that there wasn't a home video. Like, so they went through and storyboarded everything. So they watched this movie multiple times in the theater and hand drew out their storyboards and actually have it printed like in a script. And they showed they, they showed this in the movie, in the documentary. It was like this thing. It was like four inches thick of this, their storyboards that they drew from memory. And they went ahead and did the shot for shot remake of, of Raiders. And you see them age and like get young, get older and get young. Cause like they shot out a sequence and they, for the most part, they finished it. And it kind of was this oddity that they had amongst themselves and then, like, as time goes on... So did they show the whole movie, or did they show the documentary of They showed the documentary of making it. Okay. Um, so here was the challenge I had for that Sunday, because the movie... The, the documentary played at, like, 1 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, they actually showed Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then at, like, 7 o'clock, they showed their adaptation of it, and they were going to be there for a Q&A. And I'm just like, I don't have a whole day to spend in the theater. I would have stayed, but it's like, that's, that's a big commitment. It is. So, and the problem is with, with their edit of the movie is that there's a whole bunch of rights issues that they can't go and sell it because it's not their property. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like when this, and you know what's funny is they had that truck. Yeah. And I saw that truck because that truck went, the truck was in my the parking lot at work where I was at because I think they went to, I want to say they went to Melt. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I was like, whoa, what is that? You know, I see Raiders on the side of it. <laughs> and, um, you don't recognize the guys on the side though. Cause yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, but that's the thing with like fan stuff, you know. It's like, um, and you know, I was talking to you about Axanar today. Like, yeah, we're gonna get to the we're Star gonna Trek get into Axanar, that yeah. Star Trek Axanar. Like, like fan films get made, and they're 
they're awesome and and they're a love letter to like the, a lot of the stuff that their their source material is. But people can't monetize them. Well, so with this one, and so the way you monetize this is you make a documentary about it, right? And right. then you get permission from Paramount to use clips from the movie. Um, whenever you have John uh, John Reese Davies for an interview and he kind of provides voiceover narration for parts of the movie, it's like you can't get much cooler than that, like seriously. Um, and so the whole thing about the documentary is not only were they coming back to kind of say, hey, there's one shot we missed, and it was the one with the, the Nazi wing plane. Remember how it's like spinning? on the the uh, they're going to take off and it's turning in a circle because yeah. the guy gets shot in the cockpit and then Indy's fighting the guy and yeah like they couldn't shoot that they couldn't figure out how to do that as kids oh that that's i was just about to be, ask how they did that one because yeah, i was but, like but, that's one of the best ones where he's fighting the big guy yeah and it's yeah. like the only shot they didn't have oh. so the whole thing is them getting back together and kind of explaining the genesis of what happened as kids and now they get to finish it so they're trying to get this last shot in now when they're like late 30s early 40s and it's like a whole different context you know so it's like like they've gone on to have jobs and families and yeah. it's like this commitment. It's like, but then again, it's like you kind of respect like it's not done, you know? Yeah. And, I, I regardless, cause you said you, you got to see the kids grow up and get young and old. And I, yeah. I respect that because that's cool that they didn't give up on it. Yeah. Do you remember being like six years old and someone's like, Hey, I want to do a shot shot, like do a movie. I'd spend like one day working on it. Like, okay, that was cool. and never want to get back to that as a kid. Yeah. Seven I think summers. I, I think I tried to make a mortal Kombat fan movie with one of my buddies in school once. And it was like, it was like four hours of, and it was boring to me because like it was made like a movie. Like he kept going, okay, let's do this again. And I'd be like, okay, that wasn't right. Like he was directing it. And I'm just like, <laughs> when you're a kid, you're just like, I kind of just want to play. Like, yeah. you know, so, uh, so, um, I encourage anybody to, to please see this movie cause it's actually one of those things where it, it's in, cause again, it exists in a time in which this didn't happen. Like we're going to talk more about stuff now because of technology, but you had these kids, it's like they had this drive to keep going and they used parts of their family houses where they would paint hieroglyphics in the basement to do the tomb and they would like set up tarps in the living room and like the one the one mom was like we weren't using that room anyway it's fine if it stayed like that for a year like this was the kind of weird support they had and also as you find out like pretty much all their families were going through transition because like one family got divorced another family got divorced and like so all these neighborhood kids like the parents are like it's probably better they're doing this than who knows what they'd be doing and they have like truck chases, they have fist fights, they have fire. It's like, it's amazing. They did, they reshot the boulder scene five times because they didn't like the boulder they had over the years. So they had various boulders that they had. And it's like, it's really funny to see like the progression and how serious they got. So this thing kind of was like an oddity and um, it got passed around like just kind of like. Wait, was it boulder? Was the boulder in yeah Raiders? Raiders. It was the very opening. Remember, he goes. I thought that was in the opening of Temple. No, um, the Temple was is um, the dance club where the lady singing the song and then Ah, there's the the poison whatever. Um, So, like this thing kind of like kind of went like went away. They they whatever. But then somehow Eli Roth gets a copy of this tape. And as much as I may not like Eli Roth as a filmmaker, I would love to sit down and talk with this guy because he seems like a fun guy, and he convinced Harry Knowles of Anacol News to play this movie, like their version of Indiana Jones um, at a movie marathon, like in between programming. And there was like a gap in the morning. This was like whenever the two towers came out and they talked about how they played this movie at the very end of this marathon before they played the two towers. 
and there was like a 45 minute gap between movies and they had to stop it to show the two towers which was not premiering for like another two weeks across the world and the fans in that theater were mad they wanted to see how this thing ended yeah and so they got all excited it's like you don't go upstaging upstaging peter jackson with, with a kid made fan film right because they were all excited because like if you watch this thing the shots are all like there's i mean obviously you got to have the context but it's like they studied this and they loved it and it's it's close for a bunch of kids, I could never come that close now being as old as I am being like, Paul, you got to remake parts of Indiana Jones. Like, I don't even know how you would do that. So amazing documentary. Uh, check it out. It just makes you want to go out and create. But then that's the question. Now we live in an age of where we can get really high end prosumer quality equipment and go make whatever we want. Are fan films important still? I think they're very important still because like, um, like I said, you know, being a love letter to the, um, the material that they're the source of, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's another way to 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 bring fans together. You know, like I'm a fan of Star Wars. There's a lot of Star Wars fan films that I've seen that I've gone out and watched, um, you know, throughout the years, and I'm glad I've seen those. You know, like um, Ryan versus Dorkman, which has been um, a really big popular one for many years, is basically two kids uh, that that have a lightsaber fight and it's choreographed amazingly. Uh, like, and I think one of them, I can't remember which one ends up getting a job at ILM, you know? And that's another thing too, is like these fan films, they become resume builders. Like if, if they're done well, if I mean, they're done well, yeah. but like, you know, there's, uh, who's the guy that directed, um, he, he did something and he just, he just went on to a big movie. I can't remember what we it was. We were talking about, uh, 10 Clover, 10, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Lane. Yes. Is, uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who the movie's produced by Abrams, JJ Abrams. Dan Trachtenberg did a movie about six, seven years ago, a short film called Portal No Escape. It's on YouTube. I would check it out if you have not seen it. Um, it was basically saying, you know what? I just want to show people that I have some ideas of how you'd make a portal film work. And there's some cool ideas in there. Like he, he does the whole trick of having Shell sh- shoot down at the road and then shoot a, like across so that way she can kind of do like the whole like dropping down and building momentum to jump across to another building like some of the tricks from the game he actually shows in the short film and that works because it's like Portal doesn't really have a lot of dialogue other than the AI that talks to you so your main yeah. character's mute anyway so you could have a short film where she doesn't say a word and still get the vibe of it across and that ended up getting him on some radars this was like kind of early internet days like early youtube early yeah and so he got he you know yeah now he did 10 chlorophyll lane he's like a known commodity um like uh we're talking uh district nine we talked about that last week um uh the director of that yeah he made a bunch of cool little short films about aliens living in south africa that got peter jackson's attention and you know he was going to do a halo movie and that didn't happen so like this can happen like evil dead the remake the Sam Raimi found those two brothers that did the two brothers uh, that did uh, this 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 kind of short film they liked a lot and said hey we want you to do an Evil Dead movie like that's not a fan film but it's like that you're right that is you know that is a resume builder yeah. but then you get other stuff but the fan film stuff like it's amazing the amount of time and resources people put into this because I don't feel like it could solely be like hey I want to break into film you know everybody thinks that. Um, uh, Tie fighters are cool, so I'm going to make an animated Tie Fighter movie. Which there's a there, there. I watched one the other day that was like all anime, but it was a Tie Fighter dogfight, and it was really cool. Um, so like I I feel like these people make them because they're fans. Um, there's been some that the production value has been through the roof. 
uh, like Axanar, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and then you have like um, there was a Power Rangers stint one that was done, and the I don't. Did you ever watch the Power Rangers one? No, but I know that it was like a dark like reboot of it. It was and, really dark. Yeah, like it. It. I mean, you had um, like Katie Sackoff was in it. She yeah. was the Pink Ranger. <laughs> Um, and then I'm trying to think who else was in it. She had a robot with a lazy eye later on. Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. I, I love Katie Sackhoff, but, but that one eye goes places sometimes. But there was fight choreographing in it. Like, they kill off the Red Ranger. Or no, they kill off the... Uh, was it the Green Ranger? Yeah, they kill the Green Ranger off. Like, straight up gun them down, like, in a, in a truck. Um, and it's it's pretty brutal. Like, well, Did you see the, the Mortal Kombat when they did the, yeah. the gritty reboot? That actually, it was a fan film in the sense that the guy who directed it, who directed a couple Step Up movies or some of those dance movies, yeah. said, hey, studio, I want to do a, an update of Mortal Kombat and make it like more gritty, because that's what you did all the time a couple years ago. I don't know how to make Mortal Kombat more gritty. It's well, already like a violent m But versus game. the movies that had come out, like actually make it more yeah. grounded in reality and all that. And that short was awesome with, um, with well, there was, uh, it Reptile. It was a series. Well, it became a series because of that first one. Right. Yeah, and he wanted to make a movie, and they're like, no. He's like, well, what about a web series? They're like, that's cool. And he ended up doing it. So it's like, that's proof of concept, but that was a fan film to start, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so... Um, you know, I, I've, I've yeah. seen ones with Darth Maul where he just takes out like six Jedi and it's just like, you know, even down to um, what was the thing I think I shared with you that was like the ultimate super battles uh, thing where you, I think it was a comic shop actually that got people to do these these fights and you would have Batman versus Darth Vader and the production on it was amazing. Like you would have Batman come in in the Batwing into the Death Star, <laughs> and then like he's looking for, um, I think he's looking for like something with Superman, and then Vader goes to like confront him, and then they just throw down on the Death Star, and it's like, at, at you know it's it's kind of like one of those fan mashups where you're like, this is kind of improbable, but at the same time this is really cool to watch because the quality is so good. Um, I know they had uh, Thor versus Superman. They did Bat or they did Wolverine versus Predator. Um, I, there's a bunch on there. Like look, look, just look up like one of those, and you'll see all of them because they basically ask people who would win in a fight between this person, and this person. And then they have people act it out, and like the even the Thor versus Superman one, it's like the special effects with the two of them like throwing each other through mountains and stuff like that. It, it's it's pretty good quality. Yeah, and so like. I think we're getting to a point now where that's starting to be like accessible. And if you have the right people, because I'm sure a lot of that too, is you have people coming in that have that previous experience that can provide that polish to that. Right. Um, so the flip side of that though, is that I was trying to preparing for this cause I, you know, always I get these ideas and I'm like, crap, how are we going to talk about it? Cause that's always what we do here. Um, and so I started like trying, I typed in the words fan film into YouTube. I went into like a, a pit of hell. Like there was some really, really bad stuff out there, uh-huh. and it's like, and that's fine. Like you know, like who am I to judge? I will judge. But who am I to judge that um, just because someone feels passionate about something, they shouldn't be allowed to make it? That's fine. What kills me though, like I saw there was a ten minute fan film of the Last of Us video game that was actually a pretty good representation of the game itself. I don't know why it exists because it didn't do anything different. It just kind of showed what that would look like instead what, of being pixelated. Yeah, I mean, just like it's like you had like you know the the two main characters. They had them in a a place that was overgrown, and they fought some like you know other people that like whatever like raiders, and then they had some of the the uh, infected show up later, and that was kind of the end of it. And it's like that you know it shows that you could make a movie like that, but that just other than that, I don't know why it exists. You know, but um, I've found entire 
fan movies, not like short films, but full feature length films that the people have made. And this is where it drives me batty. Um, like there's a two hour and 20 minute British Spider-Man film that I stumbled across that I, I didn't watch it at all because I couldn't, couldn't take it. But it's like very like, how passionate do you have to be? How much money and time do you have to spend to make a two hour, 20 minute Spider-Man film that you're never going to be able to sell and that you can't present to anybody and be like, Hey, I did this. It's like Spider-Man and that looked like he was like, whatever that foil they use on Cadbury eggs. That's what his costume looked like, that kind of material. And it's like, it was weird looking. Like, it was just very, and he was trying to be all like quippy like Spider-Man, which Mary's like, why is Spider-Man British? And I want to be like, well, the last two Spider-Mans were British. So I guess it's just fine having an actual one be British, you know? But it's just like, take out the middleman, you know? But Did it you, was really weird. It was they, it was weird and bad. And it just felt like this was a passion project that will never, like, I don't understand why. Well, Marvel's had a lot of, like, fan film things like that. Like, Punisher Dirty Laundry. But that is, was a short. It was a short, but yeah. it's still kind of... And you got a Punisher to be in it. You got, yeah, you got Tom Jane to reprise his role as Punisher. But that's kind of, like, the same concept because of the shorts, you know. Um, and then there's the, what's the, uh, what's the one that uh, Ryan Catawanan did with uh, Venom? Oh, Something shoot. journalism. Yeah, um... Life, life is journalism, or no? Or it was something. like bad strength in journalism, or bad journalism. No, um, uh, truth in advertising. Truth in advertising. Yeah, that was the name of it. And like, it was a really good fan film, Venom, where it builds up to like the reveal of Venom. Like, you know yeah. that he's Eddie Brock and he's going to turn into Venom. But I mean, that was a pretty decent like Venom short. Well, again, like I'm fine with that. Like, that's ten minutes. You're like showing people like, hey, you can take, you could do a serious take on Spider Man. You can do this, and here's a stylistic choice. And hey, world, look at what I could do. Like, maybe you should consider me. That's fine. But there isn't an hour and a half Venom movie that someone made saying I made a badass Venom movie to show you that it is possible. But now I can't. I can't do anything with it. And all the time I took to write my Venom movie, and all the people I got to help me out, and all the money I spent. Where did like, I mean, I'm not trying to be, I guess I'm being really, you know, negative about this because I realize that your resources and your time are very, ultimately they're very limited in terms of unless you have like, it doesn't, it, yeah, and you don't, you don't have anything producing out of it other than, you know, people seeing it on YouTube and well, liking like, it. Like, like, honestly, like we do this podcast once a week. It's generally an hour and a half, sometimes longer, um, you know, like, and for people to listen to it, it's free for them to listen to. Yeah. And we still do put in work for this. Oh, yeah. Um, we create this. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's the same thing as making a film. I mean, there's, there's a lot more yeah. technical, technical difficulty in making a film. I mean, and, but we try to create something weekly and we put time. There's not just turn on the mics and talk about stuff. It, no. I mean, it sounds like that sometimes. But we try not to. <laughs> well, know? no, there's like, times like I've told you, like I've done um, like, you know, the Kerrigan interview that took me like five hours to do during the day to cut all that audio. It was a pain in the ass, but it was fun. Yeah. You know, but then there's days when we do just sit down and we just have a really good, you know, a uh, good topic we can cut our teeth on and just, you know. So I just I, I guess my whole thing is like at least this. Uh, and not to pat ourselves on the back, because all we do is talk about other things. Like, I mean, how much creating do we do on our own? Honestly, but with this though, it's like at least, at least it's our own take of this, as opposed to us saying, you know what, we're going to do a live radio read of an hour and a half Spider-Man script that I did. You know, like it, I don't understand. Like well, that the, would make sense. It's like script. it's like okay, Joe, now read the now now read the following stage direction. Thwip, thwip. You know, like could thwip. you just yeah? Thwip. So I, I guess I'm just having a hard time with this. So this brings us to uh, Axnar, uh, Star Trek Axnar, which was a crowdfunded 
Star Trek movie. That's the other thing too is like the a lot of these fan films now have have surfaced with the success that they had not so much the success they've had but the the quality and the special effects because of things like crowdfunding like Kickstarter GoFundMe um you know well like the Veronica Mars movie got independently funded by uh a, like a, a Kickstarter. Kickstarter and I know there's other movies out there that are trying to get funded like I know Zach Braff has been trying to get Garden State 2 going um <laughs> yeah even more depressing yeah but uh and Super Troopers 2 I believe that was crowdfunded crowdfunded yeah, yeah. So I can't wait to see Super Troopers too. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. But like, so with Star Trek Axanar, so there's been there's a huge just like there's a, with Star Wars, there's a very large um, fan base in Star Trek in terms of like original creations. Um, I think we talked about this before previously on the show. There was uh, back at the '70s when um, they were going to uh, launch when Paramount was going to do its own TV channel at the time. They had plans of doing another Star Trek series. Um, that I forget it was like it's like the second mission. That's not the right name of it, but a uh, phase two. That was the name of it, uh, and it didn't come to fruition. So they made Star Trek the motion picture. So a lot of fans got together and started making phase two. So there's actually a Star Trek phase two, like a number of episodes with the whole new crew cast, all that stuff. Yeah, and and it's like that was an ongoing thing, and so they've been doing this for years. But then the Star Trek Axanar, which the their um, prelude is on YouTube. It's like 25 minutes. I was kind of like, like Joe texted me, said he watched it, and I was like, okay, like I'll check it out too. The production quality of this thing is ridiculous. Yeah, like it, like in this, well, it you, doesn't you, feel like you're watching like a fan made thing. It makes it makes you feel like you're at, at at a minimum watching like something that they would have on like the Sci Fi Channel or even like Discovery Channel, because like, it's a documentary. Yeah, it's done like documentary it's style. It's documentary so style. It doesn't feel quite like Star Trek in the universe in terms of like how Star Trek is usually presented. But then you see the ships and you see like there's actual combat and there's it's like, combat in the I mean, ships. It's yeah. like and, it's ridiculous. And they're basically the premise of it is they're basically interviewing uh, a Starfleet admiral and a Starfleet captains and that, a Klingon from and, the and aftermath a Klingon of the war. from the aftermath that all take place during the four year war when then when the Federation is at war with the Klingons. And it's basically a documentary about everyone's experience from the Klingons experience to the uh the Federation's experience and how, you know, it became an arms race. And they talk about like how one, you know, one race was building this ship and then they were building this ship. Then they talk about a battle and then it all culminated at Axanar, which was like kind of at the center of the Federation. And that's where they kind of leave the, the documentary. But the actors that they have and just, you know, like Tony Todd's in it, yeah. which can- He's actually, he does really good at candy man. Yeah. And like for like the I'm first sorry, Klingons, you got candy man <laughs> against you. You don't go fighting for like the first like five minutes of like the the <laughs> the fan fil- or whatever you want to call Axanar where Tony Tar- Todd's talking. I'm just waiting for him to go flash <laughs> bees. No, yeah. uh, so I mean like it just they have like legitimate talent associated with this. Yeah, and so what happened was the the actual film that because that was the like the little bit they showed that like hey guys we can get this done now fund the movie right. Um, it's actually near finishing production now. They raised like over a million dollars for this thing and then paramount stepped in and said no yeah like as soon as the movie's almost done they've known about this like how could you not know about it and they said no and that's the other thing too is i think a lot of these fan films that don't have a monetary gain fly under the radar because like disney's not going to go oh you just did a fan film of darth maul fighting like six jedi 
uh, we're gonna we're gonna come down on you because you made that. Now, if 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 they decide to like push this out and make money with it, then then yeah, then that's gonna be a problem. But like at the same time, it's like when do you go to Paramount and you say, hey, look at this steam we've created with the fans. Can you help us or at least give us your blessing or, you know, legally take some of the money we make so that we can complete this? Yeah. You know? I mean, you feel like something like this, which, again, with with Paramount even, like, taking their own Star Trek franchise and rebooting it with the newer movies, which, by the way, I don't know if you found this out, they actually gave an official name to that universe of the newer Star Trek films. They now call it the Kelvin universe. Um, so they don't call it, like, the, the Abrams-verse, as we kept calling it. It's like, no, 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 it has a name. So anyway, so this... Is that Roddenberry's dad? No, that was the name of Abrams' grandfather. Like, because oh. in the very beginning of the, the new Star Trek, you see the USS Kelvin. That's the ship they're on. Oh, the I thought, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. of some... Okay, yeah. yeah no, 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 anyway. no, I knew it was tied to, to it, something. Yeah, it's Abrams' like grandfather's name. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, with the so that's not even taking place in like the the traditional Star Trek universe. This um an Axar or Axar whatever yeah. Axe body spray. It's taking place in the the original Prime Star Trek timeline before like the next generation, if I remember yeah. right. So it's like they're even playing with time that they're not even covering now. And like if they move forward, and so with this, it's like you think that since there's not going to be that new series for until the end of the year and you got this new movie coming out like say you know what we're not going to give this a theatrical release but we're going to get this out on streaming services for you guys like a couple bucks or whatever how great would that have been is like hey you guys have treated our own franchise as well and like here's some notes about like if you're going to make a star trek you gotta just fix these three things and that's that that would have been like the greatest like Hey, you know, like, but, but what they ended up doing is they're like, so they told, um, Axnar they couldn't do it. So Axnar took them to court and was like, well, what can we do? And they had this whole list of like, well, it's too close to Star Trek. They're like, we'll define that. Yeah. So they had to have lawyers give like this huge, like page upon page. Description. I read some of that. Like it's, it was like yellow shirts with the logo or no logo, uh, Klingon or not Klingon, uh, Vulcan ears. That was yeah. like one of the things. Like, so it was really weird. So now yeah. they, they're going to let, I think they're going to let them move forward with this. Yeah. Um, but then they come out with this whole list of guidelines. Did you look at the guidelines? I didn't look at a lot of the um, guidelines, no. So I'll, I'll read a couple of these here real quick. One, the fan production must be less than 15 minutes for a single self-contained story or no more than two segments, episodes or parts, not to exceed 30 minutes total, with no additional seasons, episodes, parts, sequels, or remakes. So it's like they want them short. They don't want them getting any longer. Um, you can't use the word Star Trek in the title unless you use it after the title, whatever, as a Star Trek fan production. So you can't call it Star Trek, you know. X and R. Yeah. yeah or Star you Trek, Star you know, Trek like, uh, Vulcan neck punch or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's here. Basically, if you use any content from uh, from any, any of the original stuff, you have to get permission. And if you use any, like, products, they have to be official Star Trek merchandise. So you can't use, like, like um your own starfleet costumes that you make you have to buy everything official to use it oh. like they have a lot of stipulations in here like that seat, yeah yeah the other thing here too is that you can never make a physical copy of the movie like you can't actually put it on dvd and actually distribute it that way it can only be available online so it's like there's a lot of things in here so people um people kind of push back against them and the vp of creative marketing what's i think is his name i have it here as i Flip through our papers, many, many papers. I just want to bring up this this, this thing here to talk to you about. Um, where did I put it at? Shoot. Here it is. John Van Kiters, I think is his name, or or Kreitz, Critters. John Van Critters. Kreitz, kill Kreitz. Yeah, kill Kreitz. Vice President of Product Development for CBS Consumer Products said, 
the production st- uh, started spiraling larger and larger. There's something of an arms race now about how many uh, Hollywood names can be attached, how many people that have previously worked on Trek, how many famous actors you could involve, and that's not really the spirit of fan fiction. So what do you think about that that statement? Um, I I think that is the spirit of fan fiction because like if you're if you write a fan, like well I thought they were, I I thought I read somewhere that the guy that plays Tuvok is gonna like get attached to it somewhere he was supposedly and then there was another thing called Star Trek Renegades about a year or two ago that had Sean Young associated with it too so there's gonna be there's there's been Star Trek fan productions that have actually had um like cast members from Trek on it before but like the the whole thing with um. With that, like, if you do get big Hollywood names, that's how is that not fan fiction? Like, I mean, like, if those people want to do it, then they're fans too, obviously. Yeah, and they're getting paid, and they're getting paid. And I mean, like, I mean, they can easily certain like Hollywood people could easily turn down a job where it's like, you know, oh, you're not going to pay me like 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 a few hundred thousand dollars to do this, then I'm not going to do it. But if it's like, you know, if if you can get um uh like Tuvok the guy that plays Tuvok to come in and do it for like whatever then so be it like yeah. you know he's not contracted to not be in any Star Wars films unless it's Paramount yeah like you know? I, it's like what's Robert Picardo doing right now I'll get him in there right now it's yeah. fine uh, but so um I guess it just talks to I think what what uh, Paramount's saying is basically like if you make it look too good and you actually spend money on it then we're not really a fan of it because then because then you start to it starts to um be too close to their own uh-huh. and they don't want to have any brand association with fan projects, which is why I think a lot of like, um, like we've, we've talked about, I don't know if we talked about it on the show before, but I know we're a fan of like the, the really cheaply remade, uh, movie the trailers, the Sweden trailers, Sweden trailers. It's like, they're all ridiculous and they're using cardboard and in a backyard and it's a lot of fun. I don't think any movie studios will come out there and say, don't do that. Cause it's like, it's not <laughs> they're, they're You're, you're never going to truly associate that with that product, you know? So, yeah. um, so I, I don't know. It just feels like, like it, it, here's a, another question. So um, it feels like with fan made movies, there's a lot of problems. But then, if someone wants to do like like someone who's a cosplayer who does a lot of photo shoots in different different costumes, they can sell those prints. Right. How is that like? How is I, that different? Because yeah, you're right. How uh, you know being that character? Yeah. You know, dressing up as that character, it's like oh. Or let's say there's a band uh, that I've, I've, I think I've used this example before. Says, you know, we love Led Zeppelin, but what if we continued on as Led Zeppelin and we love their music so much, but just made more music that wasn't exactly like that, but in the spirit of? Well, even cover you know, bands. Well, even cover bands. Cover bands, yeah. But I mean, they do direct covers. But then, like, what if there's a band that did some covers, but then so you know what? Also, we're going to say, what if? You know, like yeah. in the spirit of. Stereo, but I mean, they have to. Heaven. They have to get booked and play. Yeah, you know, or tickets have to be bought, and then they get a they get a proceeds of those tickets. Like your like like um like a band like around here like like Disco Inferno or the Breakfast Club that does a lot of '80s covers. Like you know, you're you're basically playing a Simple Minds song and getting paid to do it. Like, where's the money going to Simple Minds? You know? Yeah, I mean, so like, and then I don't know. There was a couple years ago. Uh, there was that uh, crowd, the, the, not crowdfunded, but uh, these kids that all got together, not even kids now, they went and started remaking um, Chrono Trigger, for updating it for the newer systems, and Squaresoft stepped in and said no, and you saw how far they got. It was looking really good. Squaresoft and, would do that. And they weren't they weren't changing the game. They were just improving the graphics and updating it and making it make more sense. And they're like, yeah, you can't do that. But then you have a company like Valve that they saw. Um, did you see the Black Site? 
whatever it was called, the the update to um, Half Life Two, Black Mesa, Black Mesa. Yeah. That wasn't theirs. That, that was a separate group of people that started working on that. And then Valve saw it and was like, "If you finish it, we'll put it up." Like they actually put it up for for people to take. So like they actually worked with them after seeing how great they took their original product and updated it because they see people love it. Yeah, and it's like how why would you why would you um, I, I guess and, the problem is like there has to be a balance because either you 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 love your fan base that, that are so passionate about this but then if you give the go ahead for one then what's going to stop like from the ones that aren't good and if it's about money in these studios like like Paramount like you have a property like Star Trek somebody took the time and effort to create something that the fans of that love where you have to go and you have to hire you know, all these actors, you have to hire, a, 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 you have to throw a ton of money into marketing, you know, yeah. like, the, like, I can't believe like nowadays it's like, especially with the way that they reboot nostalgia with everything. It's like how much money has to go into marketing to make to one, make everybody go, Oh, remember this. And two, all the people who don't know what it is, have them get saturated with it. Like Ghostbusters, it's coming out right now. Everybody that knows Ghostbusters is going to go see Ghostbusters. Well, at least everybody that's not upset about it. Because <laughs> um, there's people, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but um, but you've got the generation of people that don't know what Ghostbusters is. I mean, when was the last, when did Ghostbusters 2 come out? Oh, it was like 89, something like 89. that? 89. Maybe. So, like, it is... Maybe before that, yeah. But yeah, so it has been, like, almost a good, probably, like, 30 years. Yeah before a ghostbusters movie came out um and like you're gonna you're you have an audience of of non you know people that are they're under the age of 30 that have never seen a ghostbusters movie or been exposed to it the way that most of us have so it's like you have to slam that marketing down so you have a property like axanar where people are already like over the moon about it you don't have to do anything you could give it a little push and a thumbs up and then Maybe say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna sanction this, but we need to get this in return." Yeah, and then you you don't have to do anything but sit there and let everyone else, all the fans, do it. I don't understand that. Yeah, I, that I don't get. And so, um, this comes down. I got I got one other point I want to make, and I got a question for you. Uh, so uh, Felicia Day, we know her, we love her. I just I would like to. She her birthday was recently. I just want to wish her a happy birthday. I know she's not listening, but if you are. Call me. No. Uh, anyway, uh, she loved World of Warcraft, like to the point to where the game had, or she, the, the 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 game, not the, the movie. Not, maybe, I was going to say she didn't. She liked the movie. I don't know, right. but um, yeah. But she after like because I know she was on Buffy and some other stuff, and like the so there was a time of her life where she kind of was like not getting a lot of work, and she was just, she got obsessed with the, the World of Warcraft and played it so much that she's like, you know what. I need to do something. I need to do something creatively. I love this, but I can't do this all the time. So then she self-funded the first season of the guild, which is the web series that went yeah. on to, but it's like, but if you watch it, you know, you know what game she's talking about, but right. she never actually directly calls it the same thing. Yeah. And some of the, some of the looks are a little off, right? Like the way the characters, like when they finally get dressed up, but it's like, she focuses on the humor and of of the quirks of the gaming life and of the community and everything else and made something wholly original and it, it took off and so that's my thing is like like where so you love star trek great that's i like star trek a lot too and you're able to raise a million dollars like can't you think in the spirit of star trek can't you come up with something 
that you can be proud of that's technically proficient that's a good story and like even if you like even if you like make it a few degrees to the right and you everyone knows that you you have red shirts you have this you have that can't you still do something that's going to resonate and be popular maybe not as popular as call it star trek but something like something original yeah like like battlestar galactica existed because star wars and star trek were did really well and they wanted and um like whatever whatever TV station is like it's like we want we want Star Wars it's like well we can't do that but we can do this and the original Battlestar Galactica is kind of crap but they tried <laughs> you know and it took like it took the second try to get it right but like that existed because something else was successful they didn't just be like we're going to make Star Wars again it's like no well like, like, there's so many things that are muses to other things I mean yeah. you could you could see influences of of Star Wars and other pieces of work and I mean you can even see um uh. Uh, influences of other things in Star Wars. You know, you've got, you know, the tragic tale of heroes and things like that that have, like, tr- you know, carried throughout history and it can be seen in other stories throughout history. So it's like, you know, without these things to inspire us, then, you know, how how will we ever, you know, you know create some new stuff? I mean, we don't need blatant, you know, rip-offs where it's just like, oh, I just made another Iron Man movie or another Iron Man yeah. character. But, like, what if you make a character that's, like, so obsessed with technology, you know, that, that that he's driven by that and he's very influenced by Tony Stark? You know, that character can go on to become something different. He doesn't have to necessarily wear an Iron Man suit. Maybe he has parts of the suit. Maybe he's a cyborg. Whatever. But that... that Sounds like Joe's working on something, so oh, tell me. no. Like, <laughs> No, but like I, you know, as like you know, I think I'm pretty creative. You know, tell me more about metal mail. Metal, <laughs> metal mail. Tell me more about this. No, uh, <laughs> but but like, there's a lot of things that inspire me to do certain things, certain certain ways. It's like you know, whether it be music. That's to, what I was going to ask you about. You know, the tabletop game you used to run that you said was like a mix of everything. Yeah. under the sun, and you weren't afraid to pull ideas, but you you didn't name them exactly the same thing. No, I didn't. Yeah, and that was the yeah. thing. And like, I mean, oddly enough, like I didn't want to like drop this out on the podcast, but like I'm really still trying to run with that. I've stopped running that game because of time and like friends and just getting together. But I feel like I've flushed out that world enough where I want to keep it going because it's almost like this own expanded universe. Where now, but you used touchstones from a I, bunch of different things that you like. There were a lot of touchstones from different things that I like. You know, like there's there's superheroes in it. There's there's fantasy creatures. There's like all kinds of stuff. And it's like, you know, I really want to flush it out. And like I've talked to one of my friends, and like I'm throwing around the idea of like trying to turn it into a comic if i could ever figure out how to do that so i mean oh, the anybody, snake is eating its head now i like it yeah no, but that's kind head. of the point right but that's like, the thing like yeah. like i that's that's fan created stuff and like you know will it get monetized i don't know but i would like to just i need somewhere to dump this creativity and, and as much as i hate to admit it um twilight as much as a piece of shit that is uh, you know, E.L. James, the freaking Fifty Shades of Grey started out as Twilight fan fiction, and then she changed it just enough to be her own thing. And as crappy as all that is, give her enough credit to realize, wait, I can't make money off of this. I can make money off of this. Right. And she's made a ton uh-huh. off the same story. And everyone knows it. But no one cares, you know. So it's like that's she played the game right. And I mean, just now she just needs to learn how to write. But whatever, that's fine. Um, so that's that's kind of my point. Like that's like, and that's a whole other world too. Like I didn't even get into fan fiction because that seems like that is just bad news at this point. Like I mean, it, that sounds scary actually because you just fall into the wrong thing. Um, but I, I don't know. It just feels like there's a lot here. I I, I want to feel like I want to encourage people to create. But I also hate that people feel like, it, unless it's like, oh, I have a million ideas for Star Wars stories, why do you have those ideas? Right. Like, 
can you be like, I have a million ideas for this space opera I have or, or whatever. It's like, just like, think of like, you know, I don't like know. Firefly. Like, like Firefly you, definitely has a lot of Star Wars influence in it. Yeah. And it's its own thing. Like just if you, I don't know, it just feels like people are so afraid or intimidated because it's like, like they already know how Darth Vader acts. They already know how this is. So of course, yeah, I put him in a situation. He's going to act like this. He's going to do this or whatever. It's like, I don't, this just feels like, like being that creative also is a safe play as opposed to daring and doing your own thing. And I, so I want people to like, I was watching on YouTube, like there's a bunch of mashups of like, like uh horror villain fights. And it's like, you know, it, it wasn't the best quality, but you can tell people that were doing it. We're trying to have a good time with it. It's like, what does this prove other than just showing that you could do Candyman and Michael Myers fighting each other? Right. And badly like in a backyard. And anyway. like we watched before we did this, I, you know, I'd showed you, I showed you that uh, left for dead and Paul 76, which had a really nice production value for a fan film. And I was even telling you and, halfway through, I was like, this looks pretty solid. Then you're like, just, just keep watching. Yeah. And then I got mad. And then you got <laughs> mad because it basically turns into a, like a mashup of like, like, like like Super Smash Brothers of video games in, in Left 4 Dead where you're just like, okay, this person just appeared and then this person just appeared and now they're fighting zombies with everybody. It's just like, oh, I love this this character, so I'm going to put this character in here. It's like, so like, you know, that type of thing, it's like, obviously they're they're playing to a large group of fans with the video game audience, but like at the same time, it's like, how is that unique? It's other than it's like it's like cameo, cameo, cameo. You know, like um, Sam Raimi. I, I mentioned it before. He wanted to, to remake The Shadow, and he couldn't get the rights to it. So he's like, "Screw it! I'm going to make my own superhero movie." So he made Dark Man, right? And it's like, and Dark Man is crazy. It's, and Dark Man is reminiscent. You can see the shadow in Dark Man. Yeah, you know, it's like Dark Man is this crazy Batman, like crazy hobo Batman is all <laughs> he is. And it's like, and it's you it's, seem to use that a lot with a lot of description of characters, crazy like, hobo, crazy hobo, because you said that about Moon Knight a lot. Oh yeah, okay. He's crazy hobo Batman, but without a face. He has to make faces, and it's Liam Neeson. He has a particular set of skills, and that's putting faces on out in the sunlight yep. for only an hour at a time. Um, so yeah, it's like I don't know. It just feels like if if you're denied one thing, like that was the whole thing. George Lucas wanted to do Flash Gordon, and he couldn't. So he's like, I'll do Star Wars, and and, and um and Steven Spielberg wanted to do James Bond, and he couldn't do it. So George was like, I have an idea. That became Indiana Jones, which I guess brings us all around full circle to, to Raiders of the yeah. Lost Ark. So it's like, like I don't know, like if someone's willing to give you a million dollars to make something, just tr- like make something. Like make something. I, I don't know, it's just yeah, whatever. Anyway, yeah. as we as we have a podcast, I, which we I talk always about everything. I always like, talk yeah. about in in many facets about like how people are lazy nowadays with not being creative enough, and they just rehash things like you know. Uh, especially with comics like how come why can't we have a lot of new superheroes when we just change superheroes in and out all the time yeah it's like oh this person is now this superhero it's like why didn't we just create a new superhero and then get a good story behind them versus trying there's a comfort to... level of our with the character established like you said it is yeah, yeah but anyway and, 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 and a quick quick plug to our favorite game of all time right now overwatch it does all of this where it's like you have you have cybernetic ninjas, you have smart monkeys, you have old west guy, and it's like it takes all those mm-hmm. crazy ideas that we have, and it's like, and by the way, we're making a whole new world in which they all shoot each other, right? And like, but but like with that game, that's a good example. Is that game is influenced by several every other, other things. tropes ever of every archetype and everything. When yeah. you get in and you play that game, it's like it's like oh, like 
I can totally relate to the cybernetic ninja. I've seen him in other things. Yeah. Maybe not that cybernetic ninja, but a cybernetic ninja. Oh, that dwarf. That dwarf builds turrets. Well, that makes sense. Dwarfs build everything. They build weapons. I'm like, why wouldn't he make turrets? You know? Yeah. Oh, there's a cowboy. Of course he's got this stuff. You know, it's like. Yeah. So uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just, um, it, it's a perplexing situation to me. And I'm sure like, and this, then this will branch to our, our final segment here. And thank you guys for, for listening to this. And I hope you guys have some comments that you want to provide as well. Um, cause like, th- this, this topic, you know, being a, po- sorry, no, go, go ahead. Please go ahead. I was gonna say, no, this topic being the podcast that we are, we really are that fan fan made thing because like we could, I don't want to say we could get a job, but we could go somewhere else and like, just talk about the news. We could, you know, people get put on a radio station. When we work together, we would do this all the time already. <laughs> yeah. To a, to a degree. But I'm just saying, like, like you know, broadcasting something could be done in anything, but we love all this stuff we talk about. So we're fan making a show because we love we love all this stuff, the comic books, the Star Wars, the, the video games, the movies, the you know, all that stuff. Like, we are part of that whole culture of like making you know we're not doing it on youtube we're not making fan films but we're we're in the same we're in the same boat yeah and i feel like i mean it, it, it feels kind of self not not hypocritical but it's like like who are we we get to comment on all everybody else making things as we're fans to make, yeah, we're fans you know but it's like we have to have I a feel, voice yeah I, that's true our voice is way important um I just I think it's it's one of those topics that I, I know we're going to come back to at some point. I know in, in one way, shape, or form. Um, I'm going to plug here real quick. Uh, there is a film contest coming to Cleveland at the end of July called the 48 Hour Film Project. It goes nationwide and, and, and sometimes into Canada too. I think where they go to each major city and they have a contest where they get people together. You get 48 hours literally to make a short film to submit to this contest, and then you show them at the end of the the, the contest, and whoever wins that city ends up going to like. Um, they have like one big national thing where they show all the winners from all the cities. Yeah. And whoever wins that gets their film played at, um, Sundance Sundance or or cans or something. So it's like, it's a big deal. Like you can get noticed with this stuff. And I did a few years ago. It was one of the best, worst things I ever did with my life because it was so much fun, but also so painful the entire time because it's 48 hours. Go, 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 go. And the, the challenge of it is too, that it has to be an original work. But the thing is, you don't know what genre you're getting until they pulled out of a hat. So they give you a list of what they all could be, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is going to be those. So it's like they have like, you know, however many teams, like let's say there's 30 genres and there's like eight teams, like you could get something like we were so worried that we're going to get like silent film or something like, what do you do with um, romantic comedy? You know, like we were trying to, we got, we got like buddy comedy or like action buddy comedy or something. And it's like something that we feel like we could do. We got really lucky, but you have to deal with the genre you're dealt with. They give you a specific line of dialogue to use in the movie to show that you actually shot it, uh, a specific prop and then a character name. That that's like their fail their their uh, fail safes to make sure that you're doing it you're, that weekend. That you didn't just pre made something. And, yeah, yeah. Which I would argue that there's still some stuff that you can do beforehand, but ultimately you don't know. Yeah. So, and it's a challenge to get these done because the production quality can vary. But you see so much creativity put on display because people are thinking on the spot and trying to come up with something and try to tell a whole story in six minutes, six six to eight minutes. So I mentioned this now, and we're gonna probably mention it again towards the end of July. Um, that I feel like if you guys want to see some interesting creativity that isn't specific to Star Wars, to Star Trek, or or zombies. I mean, there's probably zombie movies in this, but not like you know, Left for Dead. Check out the 48 Hour Film Project because there's some there. That's I think that's where a lot of the creativity has to go, like in terms of that kind of stuff. Because you're limited, saying you want to make something, you want to win this contest. It can't be something we've seen before. 
mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's interesting. So anyway, I'm just I mentioned that real quick. Uh, please, please, please hit us up on our, on our our social media, our Facebook page. It's Invasion of the Podcast. Our Twitter is at Invading Podcast, and our Gmail address is at Invading Podcast at Gmail dot com. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a good topic, and I'm sure I won't stop talking about it anytime soon. Uh, wrap it up. I know we went long as, <laughs> as always. Um, just going to mention update for the wheel of death. It's time for the Netflix wheel of death. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Our friends at the science slasher, uh, they made, they, they presented a wheel of death two weeks ago. Yeah. And, um, and that's it. I just going to bring them up again. Science slasher.com. They love slasher movies. They're doing a slasher comic. They're doing their own thing. Right. So that that that, that kind of that fits in that wheelhouse they, as well. Exactly. So so um, please check them out. So do you want to talk about Hush? Because yeah, Hush, Hush, Hush was the original movie. That's that we the were one that to watch. we were assigned to. So I I finished Hush. What did you think of Hush? It was okay. Yeah, it was pretty. It was good. okay. I thought it wasn't bad. It's it's. Uh, I uh, still think it's cheating. I agree. Well, I feel like there's parts of that movie they're cheating anyway, but. Uh, the whole premise is, uh, you know, we talked about this last week because I had not watched it at that time because the the, the basketball thing that was going on, um, ba- basketball Overwatch consumed my week last week. Not that I was playing basketball, but watching it. Um, so uh, it, the lady who was deaf, living at a home by herself. Uh, so there's a guy that shows up randomly that's like it killed her neighbor and realizes that she can't hear. So he's just going to kind of play cat and mouse with her on purpose. Yeah, and the whole movie is just basically this whole game of like her hiding a psychological game of him yeah her hiding in the house and he knows she can't hear him and he just tells her that he's going to like basically like mess with her until she breaks and wants him to kill him to kill kill her her, yeah yeah. um there's some smart moves in it like there's some smart ideas in it yeah i Um, i liked i liked how like you know she was a writer and she explained to her friend that the way that she writes is she sees all the scenarios and everything play out. And then I liked how that came through in like the movie where, you know, you see her like run out into the house and she tries to go for the car and he gets her and kills her. And you're just like, Oh, was that it? She's like, no, she's just playing the scenarios over in her head. Um, the one thing I didn't really like was I didn't like that. The the killer took his mask off. Well, that, that kind of bothered me because the mask he had was actually kind of effective. Yeah. It was very creepy in a purge kind of way. It reminded me of, uh, like Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Like, I, like I was, like, I was like, this guy's got like a creepy Ryan Gosling smile. Like the small smile. That little smirk. Yeah. 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 Um, Um, but like one, there's no, you don't know what the guy has no motive. There's no explanation. He just likes doing it. He's just like, I'm going to kill this but like and i'm actually okay with that for once without having a big convoluted like there's a reason i'm here i kind of am too but at the same time like with him taking off the mask and getting dialogue that kind of takes away from it then that's true because like i feel like if you're gonna have a slasher or a character who is just a remorseless killer they need to be more detached as a character and And i would like the balance of someone who can't hear anything versus someone that's not saying anything yes that would have been like because he had a lot of dialogue yeah, he, that for, for he, he her not the, being able to hear him. He did all the heavy lifting in the middle of the movie. Yeah. You, like you had to... That and then whenever um, Anders from Battlestar Galactica showed up... Was it Anders? It was Anders. I, I had, thought I it look, was. I had to look it up. I'm just like, that's the guy from Battlestar. Oh. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's not going to make it. He looks exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Except and, for that stupid tattoo. Yeah. and I mean, he was married to Katie Sackhoff. You know? Yeah. Like, there you go. That's your Battlestar connection right there. But, but um, yeah, it just... It was... It was if you've never seen a movie like that before, you're going to probably love it. 
because yeah. then like the whole the the way it kind of plays out, you're like, okay, this is good, but it feels like. I don't feel like they reinvented the wheel. I feel like the degree of difficulty they added to themselves was trying to was making her deaf, which I thought was an interesting twist to begin with. But it it really it informed parts of the movie, but for the most part, it didn't because it's like he like he made it well known where he was the entire time. She yeah. knew where he was most the most of the time, and it was just it was just and like a lot of the the slasher movies rely on the pop out scare. Yeah, you know which this was more of a psychological. <sighs> How great would it have been if the, once you figure out that he knows what she can't hear, if the movie just would have went silent for like thirty minutes? That would have been. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah, just like and then like is, you just see, you just have her perception, and then you just see things out of the corner of her eyes, or like, like that would have been that would have screwed with me way harder than what happened. Yeah. Like, and that to me would have been. And he kept the mask on. Yeah, that's like you know, like just. Like, because there's ways you could have done visual cues just to let her know how bad things are getting, you know. Right. But because you never were really in her shoes, being able to hear everything. Yeah, so, so. it was an okay movie. Uh, if there's nothing else to watch, it's worth watching. Yeah, just I mean, or if you just like slasher flicks, I'd watch. Yeah, it. it's it's not bad. It's like yeah. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else out there that kind of makes me think of that. That I feel I feel like high tension. Like I'd watch that well before I'd watch Hush. Oh God, high tension's so good. Yeah, like if you want to watch this like a screwed up slasher film. That has like not similar tones, but it's like it's a girl that is like purposely trying to put her in the situation to save her friend, and it gets it gets screwed up. Like it's that's solid, um, yeah. and French. But anyway, so um, because I didn't watch that movie last week like I was supposed to, I said, "Hey Joe, go ahead, put a poll up online. I'll watch another movie, and then you put Space Jam in that poll, which I'm surprised that didn't wasn't the winner. Yeah, Space Jam. It was Space Jam, the Do Over, and Christian Mingle the movie. Yeah, and so goddamn Christian Mingle uh, won. Uh, so I watched this. Um, I will say that I, I hate everybody. I hate all the people that voted for that movie. Um, I, I just, I you should watch it, and so you can see why. Uh, written and directed by Corbin Burnson. Dorn. Dorn from Major League, yeah. right? I mean, I know he's a boarding a Christian, and he he's a good actor. He's like not like maybe not the best, but it's like you can't not not like him, right? And so he's in the movie for a second too, and I'll get back to that in a second. But it has um, uh, Lacey Shabber, whatever Shabbert, whatever Sherbert, Sherbert, Lacey Sherbert, Sherbert, whatever. Um, the original Meg. original Meg from Very Family good. Guy, yep. original Meg. voice of Meg, and the movie is her being this girl who's just turned thirty or thirty one, and she can't get a date that's good, and it's this whole like it tries to be like this like oh you just meet all these bad people you know it's like what she, were the bad people like the I'm one thing she was on at the beginning was this guy who he looked like um he looked like the the British Dwight Schrute from the British Office. He looked okay. kind of like um, is it Stephen Merchant? That's not Stephen Merchant. No, but, I know uh, who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, looked like him a little bit. And she's a cute girl. Like yeah, she's, she's, she's pretty cute. She's pretty cute. So while she's talking to him, he keeps looking over at like a group of blonde girls at the bar, and I'm like, if you're just if you're being so shallow, that's based on looks. It's like why are you still not talking to her? Because She's really attractive, and I just don't understand that. So she can't seem to meet the right guy. And she has these three girlfriends that she talks to that, like, some of them are married, and she's like, you guys got to help me. I don't want to be the last one. And it's this whole thing where she's so focused on getting married, right? Um, the movie, there's so much, so many chunks of the movie that is her voiceover telling you exactly how she feels about things, exactly what's going to happen, and about how quirky she is and all this, right? So... She sees a commercial for Christian Mingle, like literally a commercial for Christian Mingle, and decides that, you know, maybe I should do a profile. 
right? And the other thing I liked about it was like they said, name your church. Like, what church do you go to? And she just wrote God's church. Like, that was like, she couldn't think of a better name for a church. I thought that was kind of like, that's a stupid joke, but kind of funny because it's like, I don't know, church. That's why, that's where I go. So yeah. she goes on this date with this guy who, he looks like Marco Rubio. Like, he looks <laughs> like Marco Rubio, which I'm sure was like intentional. And he's a nice guy. Um, but he talks about how like earlier in his life, he wanted to be a rock star, which I don't believe that for one second. And it's this whole thing about how she's oh, she also works in advertising too. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, I think every boss, romantic comedy, you have to work in advertising. Her boss is a uh, Steven Tobolowsky, whatever his name is, uh, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ned, the head deal knows Ned. Yeah. yeah. He like, he's in this, they, he got, they got him in this movie. How did that happen? And then also Elaine's boss from Seinfeld. Mr. Peterman? Yeah, Mr. Peterman's in it for like two scenes. He looks kind of like a hair slicked back Guy Fieri. Like, it's really weird. Um, But since she works in advertising, she's paid to lie, basically. So then she meets this Christian guy, and she tells him that that she's a believer. And then so when they first go have coffee, she prays over the coffee, and it's the most awkward, like, thank you, God, for making the coffee. And it's like, even if you're trying to pull one over on this guy, you would not. So wait, is she not, like, Christian? She's not Christian. Oh. Yeah, so she decides to go Christian Mingle because then that way would be a nice guy to meet. Oh, okay. Because all the other other non-Christians are not nice guys. You know, and she has her sassy black friend in the office that is guiding her on her way and all this bullshit that's going on. And so as she starts to, to, to hang out with him, she really likes him because he's nice. And you never really get the feeling that they have a connection because why would they have chemistry in this movie? She starts like going. There's there, there's five to six music montages in this movie as well. Oh. So when there's not voiceover. There's montages. And it's all this upbeat, like pop Christian music that tricks you. They'd be like, this is a good beat. Oh no, they're talking about God, you know. So, um, <laughs> so like as you're like, and, and so she's like checking out books like the Bible for dummies, Christianity for dummies, which I'm like arguing isn't that the same thing? Ah, oh, I got religious there. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so she's trying to like cliff notes, and so she hangs out with this family who the mother is Morgan Fairchild, like. None of this make it's like she's all about like honesty. And I'm like, your face has not been honest for a number of years, Morgan Fairchild. I don't know what you're doing in this movie. <laughs> like you have the little cat smile now. Like you can't unsmile that. Like her face is so pulled back. It's like you can't like you have that small little cat smile. All yeah. that, like your face is telling a lie, Morgan Fairchild. Anyway, uh, so like the thing like so I'm talking all about the plot doesn't matter. Bullshit movie. Um, so I will say this, like the production value, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier, the production value in this thing is ridiculously high. So it tricks you into thinking this is a legitimate movie as opposed to an hour and a half commercial for Christian Mingle. That's what if like when it gets down, all said and done, the movie was actually funded by Christian Mingle, like Mingle oh. LLC. Um, and it's all about Christian Mingle. Um, and it's just, it, it's frustrating because every so often there's like the semblance of a half joke. You're like, I had maybe, you know, like there's a couple jokes in there. It's like, oh, if this was actually a comedy, I'd find that funny. Yeah. And like, and like, like there's a whole one bit with um uh, Ned Ryerson and Peterman that they're side by side at this, in this meeting. And it's like, um, Peterman says something. You could tell that this was improv because Ned Ryerson starts laughing and it looks like a genuine laugh. So credit to the director, credit to Corbin Burtson for letting the camera run with an honest moment of comedy <laughs> in his, in his romantic comedy. Um, and so the whole family, like, there's this whole thing about how they have to go on a missions trip into Mexico. So all these white people are helping the Mexican people. And the, the little town they go to, and, and Joe, I know you don't watch Arrested Development, it's the same little Mexican town that 
part of a couple episodes of Arrested Development happens in, and, and we looked it up. There's like this ranch in California that this is used often. So just seeing the same church from an episode of Arrested Development <laughs> tickled me because I'm like, this is a Christian movie. I remember Joe Bluth down here. Like it just felt really odd. Um, but ultimately, she learns a few things. He learns a few things. She gives her life to the Lord, and then suddenly, like, like, and it's not even suddenly, like. They did this whole thing at the end of the movie. It's so awkward. It's like six months later, they have like a scene and it's like one year later. It's like, what the F happened in that year and a half in between things? Like it was really, yeah. I don't know. It was at one point she's having a conversation with God and she's like out her window talking to God because he's having light shine on her bed when she doesn't want to get out of bed or like, like someone bumps into her. She's walking at her coffee. She's like, good one, God. Like really? Like none of that made sense to me. Like, is God now her co-pilot, like her wingman? Like, and all it's just, it was very, it pissed me off. I hate this movie. <laughs> um, you know, I'm like, glad I didn't have to watch it. Like I watched that that goddamn bird movie that I realized is a family film, so I let it go. Like it tried to be something. Yeah, and and I and I and I watched the uh, Jack and Jill because I love Adam Sandler clearly, and at least I knew that was a vapid cash grab. This movie is attempting to make money, but it also is attempting to not sneak a message, blatantly hit you with one, and it's like, why does faith based like okay. If, if you're spiritual and you have a relationship with God and you feel it's important to you have God in your life and that you feel that your significant other should have God, that's that's all well and good. And I, I, I can respect that. But don't you feel safe that you could watch a movie about two people falling in love and not be like, I don't know, what's their relationship with God like? It just feels like, yeah. you know, it just feels very like, can't you... Like, it, <laughs> You can't be happy for the characters unless you know about that. I don't know. It just feels like, why is that always an attachment? But but people want to be safe. Like, there's that stupid um, Kirk Cameron movie called Fireproof, which one day, Joe, I want to make you watch that because that is a complete terrible movie about a guy that his relationship's falling apart because he wants to buy a boat. I don't know. It's Kirk Cameron. He's a firefighter. It never fights fires. It's a weird movie. But that one's so heavy-handed and the production value is so bad that you can laugh at it. This one, it's like, if you saw it in Lifetime, you wouldn't think twice about it until you actually started like listening to it. And it's, I don't know, man. Funny thing about Christian Mingle is, like, I, I think I know, I think I've known two people that maybe have used it. And they said that it is not anything like what you think it would be. It's the same as every other yeah. Tinder like there's you know dick pics popping up and everything <laughs> like that just because it's christian mingle doesn't mean that people are just asking you to bone right off the bat yeah and so like i was going to ask you this uh, to wrap this up like this is a blatant advertisement for a dating website like what do you think like the tinder movie would be like or like uh the like kettle of fish movie would be like or i think or the farmers ten- only or whatever that one is just for farmers like the just- tinder there's one uh the there's one i learned about the other day because one of the guys i work with is jewish there's one called j swipe oh j swipe yeah oh Oh, it's like Jewish Tinder? Yeah, it's like Jewish Tinder. <laughs> and it's so funny because he was explaining it to me, and I was like... Kosher, not kosher. Yeah, kosher, not no, kosher. no, no. Kosher, There's like kosher. all kinds of like different categories, and I'm just like, man, he's like, yeah, you can He's like, you can get really in-depth because some people are really like in-depth. Oh. And like, you know, so I'm like, oh, wow. Jason, but it was Jason funny because like... That's awesome. But it was funny because like he already knew so many people on there. He's like, oh, yeah, that's that person. I'm like, why are you even on here looking if you know yeah. like 80% of these people? He's like, well, you know, this, this person knows this person. Then with this person, I'm like, you kind of already have the networking. You should, probably shouldn't be using that I, app. Okay, so I like <laughs> just to reveal a little bit here, like like I met Mary like almost five years ago because of OkCupid. I'm not going to lie about that. I, I'm, I'm glad that I did. Uh, and I feel like that was a good way for me to get back out and start hanging out with people. I'm not saying that the dating platforms are bad. 
I'm just saying that when you have to have a movie to advertise your your that's th- bad if you're like, using a movie as a springboard for an like, advertisement. Like, like, and also it's like <laughs> change the goddamn title of your movie then. Like if it's a, if it's a whole advertisement for Christian Mingle, then. Like, well, that's fine. probably just like a commercial-esque way of getting funding for it. Because it could have been a movie, in, a generic faith-based movie, romantic comedy, where they used any type of like faith-based like dating service. They didn't have to be a specific one that actually exists in our world. Yeah, but I mean, it's, if you call the movie something like, um, I don't know, like, um, I, I, I don't know, like just if you had some kind of other like little religious spin on the title where it's kind of winking, it's like, okay, at least it's kind of cute. But you clearly called it Christian Mingle, the movie. Like, that's what it felt like. And it's just like, yeah. that bothered me. It's just like, like, um, uh, I don't know. You got mail. We all know that was about AOL. Like, right. It's just, but it's called You've Got Mail. Like, he was like, okay, that's kind of cute. It's about right. them emailing back and forth, whatever. You know, like, it's I not don't know. AOL the movie. Yeah. Where the first 30 seconds is just modem noises the entire time. <laughs> and then the movie disconnects every five minutes. Try to connect. Yeah. And then, like, at the end, you're like, why do I have these three discs in my hand? Buffering. I don't even know. Yeah, it's buffering <laughs> again. <laughs> and this is the yellow guy just running. Yeah. That's all the movie is. But yeah, it's just. Just, you know, like, I, I will never drop an F-bomb on the show, but I want to drop, like, seven for this movie. That's, like, you know, F Christian Mingle, F Christian Mingle, F it, you wow. know? Okay. Yeah. So the Wheel of Death actually did break you pretty good there. Dear Lord. Oh, look at that. I'm reaching I'm, I'm ah. out to the heavens. Well, yeah. I actually jumped on and watched the do-over, so I'll I'll give you that. Like, I, I didn't know if you would have got stuck with that one, but I think I was just, it was, like, it was... It was late, and I was like going to bed, and I'm like, I kind of want to watch something. So I watched like 45 minutes of it, mm-hmm. and then like I felt kind of obligated to finish it. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing. There were a few good jokes. Um, there's a fight scene at the end with uh, um, Paula Patton, and um, I thought it was uh, Anna Gastar, but it was wasn't her. It was somebody else. I can't remember her name. Catherine Hahn, I think. Uh, but there's yeah, a fight. Catherine Hahn, she's in the movie. Yeah. yeah, but there's a fight scene with the two of them at the end, which is kind of brutal. Um, but it's played to like this Madonna song and it just sets the tone for, you're just like, they're like throwing each other through windows and, um, uh, crazy for you's playing the whole time. And it's just like, Uh-oh. it was just like, that was like one of the best parts of the movie, but there were like a couple of good jokes. Um, Adam Sandler proved he still can be kind of quippy about some stuff, but ultimately it broke down to like, let's get together with my buddies and go on vacation. Yeah. Cause they go to Puerto Rico. They have like this ridiculous mansion they stay at. Um, you know, they, they, he is fleecing Netflix so hard right now just to be like, I don't have to put these in the theater anymore. I can just go on vacation. You guys put it online. Sure. You know, like whatever. And like, uh, David Spade who played his little sidekick, like little, uh, buddy, um, was like, the character was like completely intolerable, but like, you know, I hate to see David Spade play that character. So. Well, okay. So my challenge is to Mr. Steve King of the Science Slasher. I know, I know. I said that you didn't have to watch Christian Mingle. Watch Christian Mingle. I want your response because you are really well. You're really well spoken, and you write these nice posts on our page. I want your input on that movie. Oh. You challenged me to it, well, inadvertently, and <laughs> uh, and I, I want you to watch it now. So I punish you because uh, I told him I'd come up for him. I told him I was coming in with the the wrath of a thousand Christian rom coms. So that's you know. <laughs> Because I'm not going to make him watch Fireproof. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. No. Um, but yeah, that that's my uh, wheel. Like, even Ridiculous Six felt like I had more merit than this thing. Like, and that's like I'm thinking about all the movies I've had to watch for this show. Like, Street Trash had its moments compared yeah. to at least at least then whenever it was like showing shit on screen, I knew like that was Street Trash. Like it was. Yeah, it was whatever. trash. Yeah. I don't know. 
but will she ever find a man? I don't know. I guess you have to watch the movie, huh? Um, oh, that's another, another thing too. At the end of the, they went to church and they're like, we're going to go to um, steak and cake later. Do you want to go? And she's like, yeah, I guess she's like you've never heard of steak and cake. And I'm like, oh, well that's obviously making fun of steak and shake. They go to this restaurant where they have these nice large cakes all over the place and plates just stacked with steaks on them. And it's like, it's, you can tell that it's supposed to be a joke. It feels like like the worst Family Guy joke that was never used, that, that, that Lacey was like, oh, hey, I have this joke in my pocket still from season yeah. one Family Guy. From season and we're gonna one just, Family uh, Guy. It's like, they told me I could keep it. You know, it was yeah. just like, it was like a weird, like, like you could tell that it was supposed to be quirky and all. That's the other thing, too. And I, the, I know we're running out of time. And, uh, not really, but not really. I, I, this we've, thing, punished, we've punished you long enough. This, this thing could fill up your whole computer hard drive. We never run out of time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Is that... Every time that it was supposed to be fun, there was quirky music playing. And then just to let you know, this is a comedy scene. Like, when you're telegraphing that hard, you ain't got shit. Like, that's all there's <laughs> to it, you know? Oh, man. I'm so glad you watched this movie. Oh, man. Like, and I felt bad for Mary. Like, and she, I'm surprised she doesn't have a bruise on her forehead for as many times she just, like, just, like, face palm watching it. It was like. No, she watched it, it with you. Yeah, she watched it with wow. me. Because, you know, we met on, on well, Cupid, so I was like, you know, this is how the other half lives. Oh, geez. No, well, sure, that's not me why. Me and Amy but, actually watched Hush together, and it was kind of funny because we basically went back and forth and be like, why would you be so stupid to do this? Yeah. Like, we, we were just like. We had, we the, when when I, I watched it with Mary as well, and I'd pause the movie so often, I'd be like, that's coming back later. And right. I had like, a, I, I was doing, I was about, I was about 60, 30, 60, 40 percent chance a lot of those. Like, like the, the, the smoke detector, I was like, that's coming back later. Like there was a couple of those. I'm like, yep, there, yep. yeah. There was like a there was like a part like right where, when she wrote like I think it was before or after I think it was after right after she wrote on the glass with the lipstick like to like yeah. try and scare him off, and like he he came up to the the window and was like messing with her, and I'm like, I I looked at. I looked at her and I was like, this is the part where if I was in this situation, it would either be fight or flight. And I would just be like, it's him or me. Yeah. And then like towards the end of the movie, when she's like, when she's going through all the outcomes, she's like, like I have to kill. Him. I have to kill him. I'm like, I would have made that realization like, <laughs> like hours ago, like yeah. before, you know, it's like, it's like I would have ran out there and been like, okay, I'm either going out or you're going out, buddy. Yeah. So, so, um, also, learn how to shoot a crossbow. That's uh, just that's watch the movie. Yeah, and figure it out. A, the crossbow was uh, was an interesting character too, because <laughs> because she struggled with that crossbow a lot. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that'll that'll do it. Um, I, I think the will of death's going to go away for a little bit. I, that one was a uh, no, that was brutal. That, that was a bit much, just because. I don't know, like just the fact that it was this message trying to be shoved down my throat the entire time. Just clearly, I wasn't target market, but it makes me mad at the people that are just like, I just want a nice, cute movie, and they're like, that was nice. Like the that's that's the opiate for the masses that I'm worried about. It's like those like, oh, it doesn't do any harm it, anyway. So. Uh, yeah, please hit us up on our social media. Uh, thank you for not voting for Space Jam, but I'm sorry that you voted for Christian Mingle. I hate you all. Um, I yeah, that's it. Uh, have a safe Fourth. I know we're gonna we're not gonna oh, be yeah. on. Yeah, um, Fourth so, of July. Yeah, don't next go. Week. Don't go blowing up your hand like that New York Giants player did to his hand. Do you see, remember last year? Huh. Uh, I think it's what uh, John John Paul Pierre Thomas, whatever his name is. He didn't let go of a firework one time and. Like you see his hand now, it's kind of like it looks like something out of a cartoon, and like he is a big defensive player for the Giants. He's like, no, I can still do my job. They're like, we don't know about that because it's like he's oh. missing fingers now. So yeah, yeah please, please uh, throw throw your fireworks with caution. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, anything else? No. All right. No. All right. So uh, yeah, until next time, be safe. Uh, like, don't use Christian Mingle. I don't know. Yeah, don't use it. <laughs>